So I made the mistake with my first job of not negotiating. I took what was given to me. I took the contract to the lawyer, as I said. I signed the boilerplate contract, and I realized that I had made some fundamental mistakes. But very few people stay at the first job they take, even in medicine, for their entire lives. And I did not stay at that job. But at that point, I had married. I was moving back closer to where my family is and where my husband's family was. And I had learned, fortunately. So when I moved back to Cincinnati, which is my current job, I knew there were some goals I wanted to accomplish, one of which was to get a business degree. So I did negotiate them paying for that degree into my new contract. I knew that I did not want to take a pay cut to move back to Ohio. And at that point, I had figured out you could negotiate your salary and then hours. You know, I did not want to have to work more hours and get a master's degree at the same time. So those were all things that I asked for. And at that time, they were expanding rapidly into a community setting, as many hospitals have done. And so I knew that there was room for me to ask for the things that I needed. This is EM Pulse with your hosts, Julia Magana and Sarah Medeiros. It's about shared success, not winning. Welcome back to EM Pulse. The story you just heard was from Dr. Selena Harry Heron, Women in PEM Chair and Professor of Pediatrics Division of PEM at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. This is part two of our series on negotiation in emergency medicine. If you missed part one, be sure to check it out. We discuss the importance of preparing for negotiation by doing research, identifying priorities, and determining your BATNA, or best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Today we'll hear from Dr. Elizabeth Alpern, a professor of pediatric emergency medicine and division head of emergency medicine at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. She has experience on both sides of the negotiation table, and she speaks to that perspective and gives us more tips for negotiation points during our careers. Okay, let's get started. Okay, let's say you get an initial offer via email. Do you read every single word? Do you call a lawyer? What do you actually do once you receive that offer? Once you've gotten your offer, it's also good to have a clear understanding of the power and the money structure Those two things often go together, the power and the money. The power and money structure of who you're negotiating with or who you're communicating with on the other side. Oftentimes, as a division head, I'm actually a mediator between the potential faculty member and the representative of the institution, be that the department chair or um, the CEO. And in the very best situation, the faculty member and I agree and understand that we're working together to get the best for this vision, to negotiate towards the vision, not necessarily negotiating towards the individual. And that opportunity allows you to work with someone to really bring forward a negotiation that I think can be much more successful. 
I do think it's helpful to get someone you trust to read um, your contract to help you understand components of it. Oftentimes, there's differences in negotiations based on the environment that is being addressed. So I think if you're getting a contract lawyer who works mostly in business to look at contracts in medicine, it really might not be as fruitful for you unless they truly understand, again, going back to those, what's negotiable and what's a non-negotiable in our environment. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, at least in my short experience, that you often get a, just an email or a letter with an outline of what that looks like before you actually get a full contract. So before everybody spends all that time writing down the minutia, you get a, a quick look at what the proposal is. Is that also your experience? That is often the um, experience that I have. And a reason for that sometimes is that the wheels of academic medicine are slow. And what you have is a terms of offer uh, letter that helps everybody come together on the agreeable components of it. And then that goes off to an institution or a university to come up with the legal contractual component. I think it's worthwhile for both sides to have a clear understanding of what that terms of offer letter means. So most of the times that's like an official handshake, really. You're signing that, you're getting it signed from from whoever has given it to you, but it is different than a contract, which is going to have some of the more components in it that the lawyers have decided. At least for us in academia, that's often where those big picture vision building blocks that we can actually use to create the vision are negotiated. Is that fair? Yes, I think that is fair. And at different points in your career, those may look different. Early on in your career, you will have provided your information via your CV and your interviews and your discussions with the leadership. And then they're going to provide you back a terms of letter. But more mid-career, or if you're being brought in to achieve a programmatic vision, they may actually ask you for a written prospectus on how you want to achieve that. And in that is where you really can put some thought about what are the things that are going to make your vision successful. And this is where I say, don't forget the people, the time, and the money. You need the people or resources to make this something that that is achievable. And then you need either money in the sense of resources or time, right? As well as this is where you try not to forget yourself. Where are some areas that physicians trip up on in the negotiation process? Some areas to be cognizant of are to do your homework, meaning have a really clear understanding of what the group that you're negotiating with wants. Ask them what their metrics of success are going to be for this position. Don't settle for less than what you need to be successful without modifying your vision, right? So if you have decided what you need to be successful for this vision, 
and they aren't able to provide all of that, then that actually leads to the next step of the negotiation. Okay, I've told you what my vision is, and I've told you what I need to achieve it. You're telling me you don't have all of those resources, but you do have this. Okay, for what you're telling me this is, I'm now telling you this is my modified version of what I can do for that. And that will bring both of you back to the table to be able to say, how are we going to find shared success in this? Another area that may trip you up in negotiation is if you make it about your ego. So I think that if you approach this as a way about achieving those really well-delineated goals and motivations that you have and understanding that the institution also has really, really important goals and motivations and you can come together to have a very successful negotiation. But if it's about winning, that is going to trip you up in my point of view. Let's say that you need something really badly. Like I need to live in this particular area because my partner has a job here, right? So like this is the one spot that I need to be. So there's a lot on the line. It's high stakes for me. How do I know that my negotiating is working, (laughs) that we're coming to a pooled area of shared understanding? Or how do I know that it's not working? I do really think this is where the listening more than talking comes in, that you will need to say, how much can I push on this when I personally have a non-negotiable that I need to be in this area? In no way do I want to imply that you should not negotiate just because you need to be in one city. But I do think that you want to be very cognizant that that motivation is really paramount for you and to feel okay about that and to say, I may need to give up on some other things in order to really make that, um, which is going to be so important to my life, work out. Identifying what your top priorities are. That kind of goes back to what you're talking about, right? That this is a lot of this is about preparation, about what is my non-negotiable. Where is my car seat? (laughs) Exactly. I'll give you a cookie you can eat in the car seat. That's right. So you mentioned some of the building blocks of, you know, projects or maybe your mid-level careers are time, money, and people. What about for early career people? What are some of the negotiable components of those early career contracts? In an early career contract, it depends, again, what you bring to it. So often some people are actually graduating um, or in early career with very important skills that they have gained in their training that a particular place really needs, right? Are you uh, skilled in POCUS in a way that this institution really wants to build their POCUS program? So you do, it's, it's not that you're without skills in your early career. I think, first of all, recognize that, which is good. Because recognizing your own worth and what you can bring to it is, again, that first step of what are your goals and your motivation. Another thing is to know yourself in what you want from your job. And so are you a person who, for 
individual reasons, wants to be a nocturnist. And therefore, you have a leg to stand on to negotiate potentially at different groups that want to decrease their night shifts overall for their providers. And you're going to be able to negotiate um, maybe an offset for more night shifts if that's what you want to do. Yes, definitely. Uh, nocturnists should have a huge negotiating PowerPoint from my standpoint as someone who does not want to work nights. What else can early career people use in their toolbox? So some components of contracts that early career faculty can think about are their FTE. Do they want to be a full-time or a part-time FTE? Often, what is non-negotiable from an institution is that a full-time FTE equals this number of shifts. You're not going to modify that just for you, but certainly you could modify if you were a full-time or part-time FTE. You can also negotiate your start date. Often, you can negotiate your salary. It is always worth asking what are their benchmarks for their salary and at least asking about negotiating salary. This might be something that the institution comes back to you and says, this is what our equitable review of salary is, and we can't bring you in at a different one, but it's worth asking. You would want to consider uh, negotiating points of signing bonuses as well as moving expenses. How do you actually ask about salary? Like, I, you know, this is this speaks to many of my own personal limitations, but like that feels like a very awkward conversation for me. Like, how do you actually say that? Let's pretend that you're applying for a job for me and I tell you, Dr. Alpern, this is how much you're getting paid. What do you say back to me with that? So you start negotiating your salary only when you have that information, right? So first of all, give them the opportunity to give you the number first. And then this is where you do your homework. So you do try and see if you can benchmark or get the AAMC or the other benchmarks that are utilized and have an understanding of them. Can you compare it to other contracts that you've been given or other offers that you've been given? Is that considered good etiquette? If you do have more than one contract, certainly you would want to compare. You would have to understand that it is not just the salary that's comparable, right? So if the hours are different for different salaries or the markets are different or the regions of the country are different, there, there may be differentials in salary. But that is a good point of knowledge uh, and homework to have if you do have more than one contract in hand. Is this process different for women or other underrepresented groups in medicine, or are these principles apply to everybody the same? I think that the principles apply to everyone, but we all bring to every component of our lives our past histories and want to recognize our own biases or limitations, as well as the biases and limitations of our environment. And so I do think that. In my past experience, women have sought negotiations less often than men. And so in my mentorship and coaching um, of women, I try very much to bring this up as something that we should be doing. 
Yeah, I think it's something that you get taught at a very early age for a lot of women. I know that, you know, you can be looked down on for not being nice about this or not playing nice with others. And there's just slightly different expectations. And then I think we set our own expectations differently as well and think if I've done the hard work, then somebody will recognize me for that hard work. I think that's something I've literally told myself, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> like I've done all this hard work. They see it. They must value it. And I don't ask for it in return or it takes somebody outside of myself to point that out that, Julia, you should have asked for X, Y or Z and just said it out loud. I think that's exactly right, Julia. And I think that it's not just asking for a different salary. It's actually asking for the leadership position or asking for the program that you are bringing your expertise to. It's really don't forget about the time, money, and people and um, that we need to continue to push ourselves to ask for that. I like that. I like being transparent, systematic, and intentional sounds like a really great way to improve this whole process. Well, Libby, anything else you think we need to know about negotiations in medicine? I'm really excited to have more people think about this because the truth is that for me, when we come to a really successful negotiation, it is so exciting to think about what that person is going to achieve and that we've come together to realize this vision. And it's just an extremely enervating and energizing um, place to be. And so I I'm excited about it. Pulse check. Practice. Role-playing the negotiation with a friend or mentor can help you feel more confident and prepared. Read every word of the offer. It is useful to have someone you trust read your contract and help you understand the negotiable and non-negotiable components of the agreement. Early career physicians need a clear understanding of what the group you're negotiating wants, their metrics of success. Don't settle for less than what you need to be successful without modifying your vision. Remember the major components of the negotiation of a contract are time, money, and power. And negotiation is about shared success with the other party, not about winning. Sarah, as you think back about these two episodes, what was your big takeaway? I think for me, it was the concept of BATNA and really doing your homework in preparation for the negotiation. Yeah, the, the BATNA was really enlightening for me. Um, but I think the phrase that I'm going to take away is, it seems to me that what I'm saying isn't hitting on the fertile field. <laughs> okay, it doesn't really sound like me, but the concept of I'm not really sure that we're on the same page. Help me understand what you're thinking now and how we can get there. I really like that and we'll definitely use that soon. Yeah, I'm also learning to be more attentive to body language and adjusting my strategy accordingly. And I'm working to try to keep the emotions out of it, which is easier said than done. <laughs> so true. Well, that's it for now on negotiation in emergency medicine. This was done in partnership with Women in PEM from the AAP section of emergency medicine. They're doing an important work to support women in our field, and we encourage you to check out their resources and follow them on Twitter. Check it out in show notes. 
It helps us so much if you subscribe and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. So if you have the time, we really appreciate your effort. And thanks to the UC Davis Emergency Department for their support of this podcast. And thanks to OM Audio Productions for negotiating with us in good faith. See y'all next time.